So here in 1 Corinthians 12, we're, we're talking about spiritual gifts and we're talking about these things that Paul is trying to emphasize. The backdrop of it is that there was division going on in the church of Corinth. And, you know, I, I want this church, and I'm sure you do as well, you want it to be a strong church. You want it to be a healthy church. Because uh, if we are, then, man, we're going to make a difference. I mean, think about, like, the homeless people. Think about the, the gals that are out there in sexual slavery. Think about, you know, the, the young boys who don't have a dad. And, you know, think about so many problems in our world today. And I know you guys. I know you want to help them, right? But, but, you know, we can't look to our president. We can't look to our government. We, we can't look to things like that. I mean, God can use those things. But ultimately, if there's going to be like a real help, it's going to come through the church. You know, it's going to come through us. And so God is doing a work. I know he is. But I also know that the devil is trying to divide us. I mean, I can see it plain as day. And so that's why studies like this are so cool because, you know, you come together and you're like, no, I won't let it happen. This is uh, the body of Christ, and I'm a part of it. And that person over there, or this situation over here, whatever the thing might be, you know, they might rub you the wrong way or whatever. You might be different than them, but we're together. We're, we're united. We're family. And I will not allow the enemy to build a wall between me and my brother or my sister. And so when we have that unity in spite of diversity, we will be an effective church. And all the things that you want to do, like what will happen is your family will be blessed because they'll be coming to a good church. Think about that. You know, so a lot of times people think, well, it's a church, it's a church. And it is, but it's also me, my part in it. And so you're going to see great study as far as the content goes. Notice what we read. We pick it up in verse 12. Paul says, For as the body is one, and as many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ, or, or the body of Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we've all been made to drink into one spirit. And so here we see Paul compares the church to a body and its members. And although there's great diversity, there's this amazing, beautiful unity. And here we see in these first two verses that he uses the word one six times. You notice that there in verse 12, for as the body is one and as many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ, for by one spirit we're all baptized into one body and just over and over again what's he saying here man there's that there's that unity in spite of diversity there's the emphasis on oneness and so this applies to our church congregational this applies to the church universal and so you go to in and out and you see a guy and whatever he's got a christian t-shirt on and so you ask him a couple of questions hey are you a believer then right away man it's just your spirit resonates with them you know, and there's this oneness that we embrace. It's uh, all across the board. It's the church universal. And it's, it's demonstrated in the church congregational. There is a oneness that Paul emphasizes. And so the devil will try to destroy that. We're not ignorant of his devices. And so thank God for the word. You know, the Corinthians, they were struggling with this. They were carnal. They didn't catch it. 
You know, and when you read through the book in 1 Corinthians 1, 10 and chapter 3, verse 3, and we saw it in chapter 11, verse 18, over and over again, he says, man, you guys, you got this, this, uh, this spirit of schisms and, you know, you're dividing over pastors. You're dividing over preachers. You're dividing over positions. Why? Because you want to speak in tongues or whatever. You want that spot. He's saying, man, that's, that's wrong. I, I pray that you would stop. Let's be done with that spirit. Let's be one in the spirit because we love God and we love these people that we're trying to pour into. And so, you know, I don't know about you, but I can think of a hundred different reasons why we shouldn't divide, why we shouldn't create cliques, why we shouldn't splinter the saints. But all I really need is one reason not to divide. And that is because God said, don't do it. Don't do it, Manny. Don't build up a wall between you and that person. They might not like you, but you love them. You just keep loving them, and God will deal with them. We have to make sure that we don't have any drop of division in our hearts. You know, what God has joined together, let not man separate. That goes for marriage. It also goes for ministries. It goes for us as families. Proverbs 6, 16 and 19, it tells us that that's an abomination to God, that he hates it when people sow discord among the brethren. So we have to watch every word we speak. And on the contrary, the Bible commands in Ephesians 4, verse 3, that we are to be endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so we don't have to create it. We're a family. We don't have to pretend. This is reality. We have one father. We are brothers. We are sisters. We are one. It's not something we manufacture. This unity is something we're called to keep. And so in looking at our text today, I want to give you a few things that maybe can help. I think Paul was trying to steer him in this direction. Number one is you need to look back to the way that we're all Christians. Look at verse 13 again, if you would. Notice what, what he says, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. He's telling them, stay one, because by one spirit you were all baptized into one body. Now, now, the Bible says in Hebrews 6, verse 2, that there are many baptisms, right? We got the baptism of John. We have the baptism of the believer. We have the baptism of fire, which is trials. We have the baptism of the Holy Spirit when he comes upon us and he gives us power. But this is a different baptism. This is not the baptism of the Spirit. It's the baptism by the Spirit. And by the Spirit, we were all baptized into the body of Christ. That's a, that's a cool thing. You know, we were saved by the Father when He chose us before time began. We were saved by the Son when He died for us on Calvary. And we were saved by the Holy Spirit the moment you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, that day you were baptized into the body of Christ. And so what we find is it doesn't matter, He says, your race, whether Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter your place, whether you're a slave or free, your social status, your whatever the, the background is, your nationality. It doesn't matter. We are one. We are. And I thank God for that diversity, you know? He says if we look back, we're going to see that we're all baptized by one spirit into one body. Not two, one. And then he says if you look in, look at verse 13 again. 
Notice he says, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And so you look at that person over there, and then you say, hey, they were saved by the same Holy Spirit, baptized into the same body. And when you look inside of them, the same Spirit, the same God that lives in you lives in them. And there, there's this unity that Paul is saying. There is no reason for us to divide. There isn't. It'll weaken you as a church. It'll weaken you as a man. It'll weaken you as a woman. It'll weaken your family. It'll destroy everything. Don't let the enemy divide us. And so he says right here, you know, we've all drunk into the same spirit. Now, some manuscripts, they don't have the word into, and so he kind of says we've all been made to drink one spirit. As Christians, we know this is true. Revelation 21.6, it talks about how this was the whole invitation in the beginning. It says, And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus said, The beginning and the end I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. And then later in Revelation 22.17, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. You know, for those of you who are Christians, there was a time in your life you were thirsty. You know that you were empty. You acknowledged, man, I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. I need God. You were thirsty for God. And you came to God. You drank, right? If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you know, you're going to try to fill that, you know, thirst or that hunger with the things that the world has to offer. It'll never make you happy. There's no drug. There's no relationship. There's no girl. There's no boy. There's no amount of money. There's nothing that this world has to offer that will quench the thirst that you have inside of you for God. And so when you're looking at that person over there, you're like, man, they were baptized into the same body by the same spirit. And they, inside of them, they have the Holy Spirit inside them, just like I do. They drank when they believed in Jesus of that Spirit. You know, there, there's that great passage in John chapter 7. I was wondering if you could turn there. This is what Jesus basically said, you know, on, on the last day. It says in John seven thirty seven, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out. And so that means he yelled. So just in case you're wondering, I'm sure Jesus never yelled. Yes, he yelled right here. <laughs> he said, hey, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. It says, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But then Jesus died on a cross. He rose again. He was glorified. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, all you have to do, you guys, I don't know if you know this or not. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. It's not a program. He's a person. Just come to Jesus. Believe in Jesus. He died for you. He rose again. He loves you. Believe in Jesus. And as you do, you drink of this Spirit and then... Man, it's so cool because then not only will he come in you, he'll flow through you. Out of your heart will flow torrents of living water. And he's saying, Paul is saying back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that 
there's no reason to divide. You, you got to look back and see the beginning, how you were all saved the same way, and you got to look in, and you got to see that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You know, not only looking back and looking in, but then thirdly, you guys got to know this, and if we're going to be strong as a church, one thing I want to encourage you in is don't look down on yourself. You know, because you're thinking, well, I'm not that significant. I'm not really a, you know, a major part of the body of Christ. Yes, you are. Look what we read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in verse 14. He says, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? You know, and so Paul uses this illustration. And he says, I mean, listen, like, what if the foot was talking, you know, and the foot said, hey, I'm not a hand. Because I'm not a hand, then I'm not of the body. You know, I, I'm not, I want to be that. And, and since I'm not that, I'm out of here. You know, I, I want to be a hand, the foot's talking. I want to be a hand, and because I'm not a hand, I'm not really significant. Yes, you are. Whoever you are here today, sometimes you feel out of place. You're not, because we have the same Father. We have the same God living within us. We all had that same beginning. Don't look down on yourself. You've got to realize who you are in Christ. You know, you're like, well, I'm just a foot, and I'm covered with this sock, and then the shoe, and, and the toe jam, and I feel like as a, as a foot, like I'm carrying all the weight, and it's just not fair that I'm carrying all the weight, and I want to be a hand. And, and Paul is saying, you're trying to tell me that just because you're not a hand, that you're going to sit there and go cry and complain and say that you're, you're not a part of the body, and you're going to quit because of that? Is that what's going on in your life? I mean, crazy. I mean, how many of you here like feet? I'm just curious. Some people, they really like feet, I, I, you know? And then how many of you here, ladies, I'm just curious, you get your nails or your feet, what is it called, pedicure? Do any of you ladies have to get that? All right, cool, cool. So, you know, you're looking at your feet, your husband's looking at your feet, and he's like, man, they're beautiful, sweetheart. You know, and there you got your flip-flops on, and they, yeah, I got pretty cool feet, too. And you're all proud of it, right? And it's true. Um, some people, they look at, I think the Bible even says, how beautiful are the feet huh, of those who preach the gospel. But you take that same foot, okay, and, and you cut it off, and you throw it over there on the side. That'll gross you out. You look at that foot, and maybe it's been there for a few days, and you're like, whoa, that's ugly. It starts stinking. And someone says, well, I'm not a hand. I'm just a foot. I'm out of here. And you're not part of the body of Christ anymore? I mean, you think that's good? Absolutely not. You know, Paul here is saying, don't look down on yourself. Are you kidding me? Where would we be? Where would we go without our feet? They say that a person, an average person in their lifetime will walk 110,000 miles. And so imagine life without your feet. Wherever you are, if you're afoot, please don't look down on yourself. Please understand, we need you. That's what Paul is trying to say here. 
You know, I'm not trying to butter you guys up. I'm not. I'm just trying to teach you the Bible. I think that when I, when I think about this as a, as a pastor, I always think, where would we be without that person? Where would we be without that person or that person? And I, sometimes people that I don't even get to talk to, and I see them, and I just know their, their love and their support and their prayers. Where would we be without them? I think that honestly sometimes because I know the truth that is without that person, we wouldn't be running on all cylinders. You know, what we find is that as long as a foot is just doing what a foot is made to do, understanding what we read there in verse 18, look again, if you would, at verse 18. It says, but now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. God puts you there. Well, I don't like it. That means that you want to please yourself. What we want to do is please God. No, don't try to be a hand, because if you're a foot and you're trying to be a hand, then you will create confusion in the body of Christ. Be what you're called to be by God. That's what Paul is saying here. You know, Paul here says, don't quit on the congregation. And he, and he gives us the same principle regarding our ears. And here's an ear right here that wants to be an eye. You know, and I'm looking at some of you right here, some of you ladies with long hair, and I'm like, man, I can't see your ears. And some people are like that. They're like, I, I can't, I, the people can't see me. I, I'm an ear. I want to be an eye. I want people to see me, and I want to see. I want to know what's going on. And Paul says, listen, you know, what if, you know, the whole body were an ear? You know, you guys know, how many of you love music? I mean, music listening to that music listening to the message where would we be without our ears i wanted to show you guys a video of how ears work there's this one cool video on youtube it's it's only three minutes long and i thought man maybe i should show them it's so amazing but where would we be without the ears listen we have to be what god called us to be it's not a competition we're on the same team we're on the same body we're not competing with each other we're actually completing each other we need the feet and the hands and the ears and the eyes and everyone knows we need the nose right so don't look down on yourself whoever you are and if you're coming to this church and you feel like you don't belong that's a lie from the devil all you have to do is find your place Bloom where you're planted. Can you smile? If you can smile, that might make all the difference in someone's day. Can you give a dollar once in a while? And I know you guys do. You give. Don't you realize what that does? I pray that no one here would believe the lie of Lucifer, that they don't belong. Well, if, if, we're, if we read Corinthians and we embrace our place, we don't look down on ourselves, but we just, I'm going to be faithful here, Lord. Then you watch what God will do. Again, we read in verse 18, but now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he, as he pleased. And, and they all were one member. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. You know, God puts you there. We're all different by design. And so we need to follow the Lord. Now, I will say this, that, and I'm just kind of like, I don't know, I'm just a man. Maybe I'm wrong about this. I know that um, some of you guys, you can't get involved in ministry 
because you have ministry outside these walls and you're out there and maybe you're you know just a lot's going on in your life right now you're a season uh with maybe it's with the kids i totally understand that i and i and i know that, that my heart is for first for you and your relationship with god and your family but but i think and i believe and i have a hunch that more of you should get involved in ministry so you know you know don't be here and thinking well if the holy spirit is trying to get you involved and you know you're like well god put me there on this you know pew and this chair and I could, my job is to warm it up, you know, every Sunday. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. I think some of you need to take a step of faith. Yeah, we're not, you know, all that great, man. I know that. We're not worthy. We're not able. We never will be worthy. If you ever think you're good enough, then you know what? You're going to start limiting the God the way that he can use you. If you think you're the one that should be used, then God's not going to use you. We never come to that place where we're good enough or we're able. We'll never go there. So that's why for all of you who maybe that's been preventing you from taking that step of faith, I encourage you, get involved. Some of you young guys, step up, become an usher. Learn how to serve. Learn how to vacuum. Learn how to empty trashes. You know, for some of you here who are friendly, we need friendly people. Are there any friendly people here? You know, we need you as greeters. I don't know. I mean, God will show you. This whole section of Scripture is like saying, like, Lord, what are my strengths? What are my talents? What are my gifts? Discover it, develop it, and then deploy it. See? And so God has put us where we need to be. And, but we're all different, you guys. We're all different by design. And we can't let that divide us. On the contrary, we need to allow that to unite us. Whatever you do, don't think. Please don't think, well, since so-and-so's not like me, and I have it all together, you know, they're just like nothing. They're not supposed to be like you. God didn't make them like you. They had a different upbringing than you. They have their own struggles that you don't have. Don't compare yourself to other people. Be the best possible you. Treat people the way that Jesus would treat them. Love people the way that Jesus would love them. And he loved us and he died for us when we were sinners. We were the ones that nailed him to a cross it was us and so what he's saying right here is hey you know we have to look back and see how we we're all baptized into the body of christ and look in and see the holy spirit's living within us and within and then we have to make sure we don't look down on ourselves and and that we don't look down on others we see that next in verse 21 and he says and the eye cannot say to the hand hey i don't need you I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. You know, imagine the eye saying to the hand, I don't need you. And so the eye, you know, gets an eyelash in there. You're in big trouble. <laughs> yeah, you need an eye, all right. The other day I had to pull over, man, and look in the mirror and take the eyelash out. You know, and so what we find ourselves, you know, hey, we need each other. We got to make sure we don't look down on ourselves or look down on others. You know, he talks about, you know, the, the head uh, saying, um, I don't need you feet. And then what happens when the head gets a headache? The feet were supposed to take them over there to get some Advil out of the cabinet. But 
he cut off his feet, he can't do it, right? I mean, without the feet, um, you're never going to get ahead in life. And so that's what the head said. Anyways, the truth is, no matter what part of the body, we shouldn't look down on others. We need others. Everyone does. Everyone does. And maybe just in case there's someone here and says, well, the pastor doesn't need anybody. Oh, yes, he does. Everybody does. I was thinking even of that story in Exodus chapter 17, and I was wondering if you could turn there to Exodus chapter 17. And this is kind of like the picture of the church. It really is. What you'll find is the Old Testament has these visual, visuals. You know, it's kind of like you see it in, illustrated in the Old, and you see it implicitly in the Old and explicitly in the New. Here in Exodus chapter 17, it says in verse 8, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim, and Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. And so Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone, put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. This is a, a fascinating story. Amalek, um, they were the enemies of Israel, and some teachers will tell you that Amalek is a picture of the flesh. Remember when Saul was commanded to destroy the Amalekites? And man, it's crazy, you know, he didn't do it. This, these guys were bad, the Amalekites. And so uh, one day Moses, you know, this is Moses, the man who, not worthy, not able, couldn't talk, had a stutter. He was a murderer. He was out there. He was a shepherd. For 40 years he had disappeared into obscurity. You know, and then one day as he's there, you know, Genesis tells us that the shepherds were abomination to the Egyptians. Here's this guy who's nothing. And then one day God calls him and he appears to him in, in this burning bush that isn't consumed. And God says, take off your sandals. Uh, you're standing on holy ground. I'm here to commission you to go and you go into Egypt, the most strongest nation in the whole wide world, and I want you to let my people go. I want you to free them. I'm going to use you. And man, it's an amazing story when you see what God did, you know, through Moses and the people of Israel. But as they're now, you know, going towards the promised land, there's so much for them, right? Not just to get saved, but just to get sanctified in his victory over the Amalekites, man. What a great place that would be. And so the plan was, Joshua, you go down into the battlefield and you take all these soldiers with you. I'm going to go up to the mountaintop um, and, and Aaron and her would, went with him. And so here's the, the visual. This is a simple visual. As Moses' hands were up, the children of Israel prevailed. When Moses' hands got tired, 
then the children of Israel were defeated. And so what they did, Aaron got on one side, Hur got on the other side, and they kind of put a rock right here and propped him up, and then, they, and then this guy held up his hands on this side, and this guy held up his hands on this side. And as his hands were up, the going down of the sun, the, the nation of Israel, the people were victorious. And that's a picture, because you're thinking, well, pastors don't need anybody. Oh, yes, they do. I mean, that's a picture of the pastor. When he's able to just worship God, listen to God, pray, study, when he's able to do that, the people will be blessed. But you know, like for me, sometimes as I'm doing that, because my biceps are so big, my arms begin to get heavy. They begin to fall, right? And I'm trying to hold them up, and it's like, oh, I can't do it, right? So, you know, you get these guys, these assistant pastors, whose job description is to hold up my hands. Think about that. What, what kind of job description is that? How, but it's so needed. And as they're there supporting me, holding up my hands, the people, Joshua, the people prevail. And, and all I'm trying to tell you is that this whole thing, well, where would Moses be without Aaron? Where would Moses be without her? But what if Aaron's not, what if her's not? Well, where would we be without Joshua? Where would we be with all those, without all those soldiers? You see, that's how the church works together. I, I don't know about you, but my heart is, Lord, it's not about me. It's about all those people down there who are fighting for their life. They're fighting for their families. And Lord, I want them to have that victory. And God says, well, this is how you do it. You know, what, what we're seeing right here back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is that every part of the body is important. We're not to look down on ourselves. We're not to look down on others. Everyone is necessary. You know, uh, it doesn't matter if you're not on stage or you're not on staff. Paul tells us that even some parts that are not seen are, are, are more important. Notice again what, we, what he says there in verse 22. No, much rather... Those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. In other words, there's certain parts of, their, of our body that we can't show, that we cover up, that no one sees. But they're more important. There's some that are inside of us, organs, our heart. You know, our pituitary gland, our brain, all that, no one sees it. You might be here and you're like, well, no one sees me. God does. And you are, we are all equally important. Equally. You know, one of the most important truths we have to know about this church is that the best of men are men at best. Every single one of us, none of us, should ever, ever, ever touch the glory you, know, you start looking at that person because sometimes people will even come up to me and whatever they'll say something you know that i really they shouldn't say i mean but none of us you're all like so and so oh yeah they're so good they're so good they're so good you know what you do when you do that 
you're robbing God. Of, God doesn't share his glory with anyone. And, and what I found, you guys, is that if we can be a church that just exalts Jesus, that doesn't exalt men, yeah, thank God for our family. Thank God for our brothers. But it, it's not them. If we, if we just exalt Jesus, then he can work through us because we won't touch the glory. And that's what he's looking for. You know, when you're behind the scenes and you're thinking, well, no one sees, God sees. You know, the parts we regard as less honorable are those actually we, you know, clothe with the greatest care. So we have to esteem everyone equally. Understand the public ministry will not prevail without the private ministry, without the prayer warriors, without the faithful supporters. And when I say supporters, I'm talking not just money. I'm talking about, you know, that support that they give, right? And that's not just, uh, the, you know, the ones with the position on the top. It's the under rowers. It's those whose simple and yet secret ministry is making a difference here at Calvary Chapel, Almani. You know, the truth is, and it's just hard to get around it, but right now, the visible ones are being, you know, recognized and honored. But when it really matters, one day, in Jesus' presence, the invisible ones will be honored by him. And so, um, here's the thing as we're closing. We need to be a good-looking church. We need to look back and see how we were all baptized into the body by the same spirit, how it all began. We need to look in and say, hey, the Holy Spirit's in him, even as the Holy Spirit is in me. We need to make sure we don't look down on ourselves or look down on others. And the last thing is we need to look out. On the contrary, we need to look out for others. Because notice we read in verse 26, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. You know, and if you're a Christian, then you are the body, you're part of the body of Christ. And what you got to do is just find your part and just be faithful there. You know, sometimes I think it's kind of weird, but like, you know, you're like, hey, so-and-so fell or hey, so-and-so, you know, they don't like him, you know, and you're like happy about it. No, when one member suffers, we all suffer with it. It's... You know, if someone starts slipping, if someone starts without know, fading, we're all going to feel it. Just like in one part of our body. And if one member is honored, praise God for that. You know, you don't be like one of those people who, you know, you get jealous or envious. Yeah, I want some of that. I deserve some of that. Hey, I was a part of that. And why wasn't I acknowledged? Or why wasn't my name put in the bulletin or whatever it might be? No, um, we shouldn't be that way. If someone is honored... Praise God. And we should rejoice. That's what he's saying right here. I, I Forgive me, you guys. I, I just, I know I like basketball, and uh, uh, sometimes I'll watch the highlights. I don't really get to see the game too much. But a while back, I forgot how many games ago, LeBron James was just, man, he was on fire. He was hitting three-pointer, three-pointer, three-pointer. He was like, three-pointer, three-pointer. It was just crazy everywhere, right? And it was so cool. One of them, he hit a three-pointer, and he just fell on the ground, right? And it was just so beautiful to see the whole team just come and rush him. And everybody was so happy for him. Why? Because we're part of the same team. 
And I think what happens sometimes is for whatever reason we think we're competing when in all reality we're completing. Listen, I, I remember when I was in junior high, I was a, a famous football player. And uh, <laughs> I was good, man. I was this tall. <laughs> and I was a tight end. And I remember, man, I used to catch touchdowns back in the day. And I still remember there's this one, you know, boom. Catch the football and you score the touchdown. What do you do? You know, you're, you don't look at your hand and your hand is all, you know, celebrating like that. No. Your whole body is, huh? You throw down that spot and you're dancing and your whole body is celebrating. Your whole body is. Well, when one person is honored, when one person does good, when one person gets blessed, I mean, the whole body is what he's, what he's saying. We don't get jealous. We don't get envious. We praise God. And that's what Paul is saying right here because I have a hunch there in Corinth that there is divisions going on and he's saying, listen, that's not how we do it. You know, in the exercising of these gifts, we have to see it as a cooperation. Later on in chapter 13, we're going to be talking about love. Can't wait to get there. You know, this is how we do this as a church. And, and as we do, you watch what God will do. I, I don't know about you, but in my heart and in, in certain ways, I see God working something very special right now. I see it. If you're sensing it in your heart, if you're sensing it in your family, run with it. Man, just let the Lord do that work. The other day I was praying and, I, and two words came to my mind. Number one is the word focus. Focus on Jesus. Get your eyes off yourself. Get your eyes off that person. Get your eyes off your circumstances and your situation. Glance at that, but gaze, focus on Jesus. Secondly, the other word that came to my mind is fire. The Lord just said, fire. And, and what I think the Lord was trying to tell me is, Manny, you're in the fire. And, and when you're in the fire, if you're in the fire, the first thing you want is a fire extinguisher, huh? <laughs> like, man, it's too hot. It is too hot in here. And you just don't want it. But God says this, no, when you're in the fire, this is what I want you to do. Let the dross rise to the surface and skim it off. Because you're thinking, well, that person needs to change, or they need to change, or whatever the situation is, you know? And the Lord is saying, no, you need to change. In the fire, I'm showing you who you really are. And so when you see that, when the dross rises to the surface, skim it off. And that's the work I think that God is doing right now. I'm excited about it. You know, I don't know how you guys feel. I don't know if you're in the same place. But I know I've been a Christian. You know, it's going to be 30 years. And sometimes I feel like I'm just beginning to get it. But I know this, that there's a lot of growing in my life that God is trying to, he's trying to muster up. And so I just want to yield to him. I just want to love people no matter what. I just want to be obedient want to seek him, I want to fast, I want to ask the Lord, 
for guidance. I want his church to be blessed. And I know it's not going to happen unless we have this, this heart right here that we're reading in 1 Corinthians. Discover your gifts. Develop them. Deploy them. Let's stay together. Let's love each other. Let's know that we're part of the same family with the same Father, with the same purpose. And let's let the Lord do the work. Let me close with one last, kind of like a dorky illustration. But you guys are, are cool, huh? You're my friends. <laughs> Thank you so much for showing me so much grace. But I uh, was reading this story about, you know, how uh, Brother Hammer was appointed to preside over the Master Tool Convention. And so Brother Screwdriver objected, saying, Hey, Brother Hammer, you're too hard and noisy to preside over this meeting. You're always driving home your point. You're always nailing people. I call for your resignation. The Brother Hammer responded, Well, what about you, Brother Screwdriver? All you ever do is spin around in circles. That may be true, said Brother Screwdriver, but at least I'm not like Brother Plain. His work is simply on the surface, so shallow. What right does he have to be out here? Well, if you're going to cook me out, protested Brother Plain, what about Brother Ruler? He thinks he's always right, measuring else, everyone else by his own standards. Well, if you're going to come on, down on me, argued Brother Ruler, what about Brother Pliers? He needs to get a grip. Well, at least I don't rub people the wrong way, said Brother Pliers, staring at Brother Sandpaper. And just then, Jesus walked in. And as he began to use each tool one by one in the perfect time and in the perfect way, Jesus created an object of beauty. And that's what the Lord does, huh? Is this a perfect church? No. There are none. Is Jesus perfect? Big time. Big time. We just have to capture his heart. Keep our eyes on him and watch what he does. <laughs>